Boy, if that wasn't the driest direct. I'm just gonna come out and say it. I'm sorry for being honest. You can cancel me later. Uh, drier than drier than Gobi's desert, Michael. <laughs> drier than the Gerudo desert. That's probably gonna be in Salt of Breath. No, Gobi's desert, man. Gobi from uh, Gobi's desert from Banjo Kazooie. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm I'm halfway joking. Like, it, I feel like you know it was fine. It felt more like a business presentation than anything because everything you know that was coming we kind of knew it was there very pleasant surprise to see metroid prime that has been leaked for like a year and a half is finally available and the nso game boy that has been leaked for like half a year is also there there's a pleasant but i think outside of that we knew about everything we just didn't know quite when they were hitting and then we got some new details on on pikmin more tease with with the zelda game but the main thing that came out of all this is that there's been this chatter about $70 games on the Nintendo switch. And Matthew's telling me, Oh no, it's, you know, they, they, they deleted the <laughs> listing. That's it's, it's incorrect. And then lo and behold, I checked the Nintendo website and the legend of Zelda tears of the kingdom is 70 big ones. And subsequently it brought tears to Michael's eyes. I mean, I, I don't really care, but but I'm fascinated by the discussion. I mean, like me personally, like is ten dollars ten dollars? It's like I've got kids. Like, a, if ten dollars is stressing me out, like I've, I've got bigger problems, and I need to stop playing video games. <laughs> that being said, I find the discussion really interesting. I'm of two minds. I'm I'm very split on this, but I want to talk about it. Of course, PlayStation and Microsoft have made a similar shift as well as like big third parties like Activision, Ubisoft, and etc. But specifically for games that are more in that 4K zone, they're more in that high fidelity ray tracing arena where, you know, those games are much more resource intensive than a game like Breath of the Wild 2 that's using the same exact map as they were before and building on top of that. But I'm running at 30 frames per second. But I dig oh, 30s generous, my man. Uh, 30 is generous. Yeah, if, it, if it's raining, you're getting a God a forbid it rains 10 frames per second. Yeah, that, that, that's what really ruined the Zora part of that game for me is and I'm not I'm not a frame rate stickler. You know, I'm, I'm not sitting under a bridge waiting to eat pasteurized <laughs> <laughs> complaining about frame rate that's not me but that was like distractingly bad in uh in that zelda game and then woof when they when they made that dynasty warriors breath of the wild goodness gracious um that's the the most authentic part of that game <laughs> got the frame rate just right uh but anyway yeah matthew what what's what's your initial thought at the 70 dollars are are you are you currently carrying a pitchfork I mean, here's the thing. It, it's like you said, does does it affect you? No. Does it affect me? Not at all. $10. I've always argued against this sort of thing because I just think it's not the big deal people make it out to be. It's like when Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze was ported to the Switch and everybody was griping about how on the, on the Wii U it was $50 and they were $10, selling a $10, but Hyrule Warriors. Yeah. Yeah, and but but here's the thing is you know the the switch port was being sold for sixty dollars. Well, that is ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. You're paying ten dollars more for a game you've already played with the addition of Funky Kong, which I guess you could argue Funky Kong's worth at least ten smackers. But you know that's beside the point. But 
while I don't think it's a big deal financially for people like you or me, or even for a lot of people, I, I think it's, it's flat out ridiculous though. It doesn't make any sense. You know, you, you mentioned that PlayStation and Xbox have started to kind of gravitate towards selling games for $70. But here's the difference. You were talking about games that, you know, run at a higher frame rate that have ray tracing, you know, et cetera. Let's just call it what it is. Games that feel next gen. And I'm sorry, Games on the Nintendo Switch don't even feel like they're they're on the same level as PlayStation 4 at times. They really don't. If you look at The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, those aren't impressive looking games. I, like I I know people are going to argue and say, "Well, I mean it's an it's an open world game. There's there's this large environment. I understand that." But I'm just calling a spade a spade. It it's not a that great looking of a game. It doesn't run at this you know, phenomenal frame rate. It it doesn't feel like they're very they're very intentional with the art style that they picked, and they have to stay in that sort of color uh, or like watercolor style. Like they have to live there because when they go photorealistic, it looks like Pikmin Four, where you're like, well, that's a that's a real rough looking vegetable right there. <laughs> that's some bad foliage. Well, right, and think about the the Zelda demo they did for the Wii U. You remember when the Wii U was coming out and there was this gorgeous-looking Zelda demo and it looked like Zelda but very hyper-realistic and he's battling a giant spider and no game on the Wii U ended up looking like that. But there's a reason why when Breath of the Wild was announced, there was a lot of people who were upset that it didn't look like that tech demo and it looked more like Wind Waker. But again, it, it's, it's because the... The, the, the system cannot run a game that looked like that tech demo in the fashion that Breath of the Wild was designed with, with this open world environment, you know? So again, it's it's I understand why it looks that way, but my whole point is is that what what justifies the price increase $10? Like like you think about like you said, they're using the same assets that they used from the first Bre- uh, from Breath of the Wild in order to build this game. So in that sense, like they're not even upgrading anything performance-wise, and and usually the the better the performance is what's going to dictate the higher price. Otherwise, you know, are we are we just charging more money because we think it's a better game? So if it's a better game, it's worth more money. Uh, you know, I would say that's probably the thing that makes the most sense. But the issue there is that 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 then comes down to objectivity. You know, that comes down to what you think is worth more money, you know, and we live in this age where people think $60 or even $50 is too much to charge for a 2d platformer. But that's why I think having a flat price on whatever new titles you release on a platform makes the most sense. But again, like we're talking about a game that is utilizing most of its assets from a game that was already sold for $60. So I I just, I'm not there's no correlation there to me that whatever they're adding to this game is increasing the value of it. And that's what I, why I find the discussion interesting because this is really just a triple a problem in the indie game space. Games are priced on how ambitious they are, how much they think they can sell it for and they're priced competitively. And you know, every, the price of every indie game is just individual to that, that particular game. PlayStation has gone with some flexible pricing, which is interesting. They're they're pretty much the only like AAA publisher who who have like done this. I I think like extensively. You know, you had um, Ratchet and Clank sell for like forty dollars on the PS4 because it was a remake of a PS2 game. 
you know, then they go with Miles Morales on the, the PS5. I, I believe the PS5 version was like $50, but then if you packaged an up-res of the original Spider-Man game, that was 70 It's interesting how they're, how they're doing this, because at the end of the day, it's kind of weird that we price everything the same. Like, should Mario Tennis Aces cost the same as Zelda Tears of the Kingdom? In terms of the effort that went into it, the amount of staff and such, no. Should like Pokemon Scarlet and Violet cost more than like a Pokemon spinoff, like say the Mystery Dungeon game that was, you know, really just handling the graphics and, and nothing else. It's like, well, but I mean, no, probably not. And because Nintendo never really budges on sales and such, it kind of compounds this problem where like we've been conditioned to believe that if, if triple a game made by Nintendo $60. And so I think that's, it's a weird place to start at the same time. This is the weirdest time to do it because tears of the kingdom is largely built on its predecessor. The work had been done. I mean, you know, I think I, I would imagine that the most difficult part of that game was making the world work. And so they're starting with, all of that already figured out. Obviously something went wrong and that's why it took this long for the game to come out. It's a strange time to position this, this price increase, which I guess tells you how good the game's probably going to be. I, I think this means that they're incredibly confident in the quality of the game. Although they were also incredibly qual- confident in Skyward Sword and we saw how that ended up. So that part of the equation is interesting to me, but if it were me, I would start charging $70 when I started to sell the new switch. I wouldn't be doing it now. And one little tirade before I pass it off to you. One thing people don't account for is that Nintendo switch games are likely more expensive to produce because of the cartridge slots that they're on. It's way cheaper to make discs traditionally speaking. And I, while I don't have the numbers in front of me, I would venture to say that Nintendo switch games are more expensive to make. Although that being said, Nintendo sells roughly half of their games digitally so that, you know, that that entire price is kind of unnecessary. The other wrench in this, Matthew, (laughs) before before we get to some of those other points is because they sell so many digital games, their cost of production has gone down by an incredible margin they don't have to share that extra chunk with retailers when they sell it on the eShop. And then when they sell it on the eShop, they don't have to manufacture the game and ship the game and forecast how many units they'll need to be produced in three months to satisfy the theoretical demand that's still going to be there. I mean, they even have in their their licensing agreements that, that like, you know, when whenever the next Switch comes out, they don't have to let you play Tears of the Kingdom on that one. They might make you buy it again, even if it has, like, a cartridge slot that work for the other ones. Like, digital gives them so much more flexibility, saves them so much more money. Honestly, profit margins have probably... Nintendo's haven't for a lot of other circumstances. But, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time for them to be doing this is all I'm really getting at. You know what my theory is on this, Michael? I think that the only reason they're trying to charge $70 versus 60 is I I just think they think they can 
Honestly, I think they are really confident in the fact that The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild sold so many copies, it's absurd. And I think they're just banking on the fact that everybody's already predetermined that they want to buy this game, that no matter the cost, no matter whatever, they 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 want in on this. You know, there's there's so many Zelda fans out there. You know, it's it's Nintendo, one of their five or six biggest franchises that they have. And I think they're just banking on the fact that, you know, whatever we charge, you're going to buy it. And I think it sets a dangerous precedent, honestly, because I think going forward, Nintendo might start looking at their games that are surefire sales. Like let's say whenever they make a new Mario Kart, Mario Kart nine, what's going to stop them for selling that for $70? Hell, why not try 80, you know, while we're at it? I I honestly think that's the only reason they're doing this. I think they're just overconfident that this game is going to sell regardless of the price. And honestly, I would have a little trepidation if I were them. I, I think this is a bad move, and I, I think they might see some negative effects from this. That That's kind of my hot take with this, because again, like you and I have pointed out, I don't know if Nintendo is aware of this, but anytime they've made a direct sequel to a game that's not, again, not a game like Splatoon, not an online multiplayer game where you have to buy the new copy in order to keep playing with everybody. That's just the way it works. You know, nobody keeps playing Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U when they can play it on the Switch. Or if Smash 4 was on the Switch and Ultimate came out, guess what? Everybody's going to be playing Ultimate because that's the one everyone's currently using. So for online multiplayer games, disregard this. But for any game that, that does not fit that description... Whenever they've made a direct sequel to it on the same platform, it hasn't sold nearly as well. We have examples such as Super Mario Galaxy and Super Mario Galaxy 2, The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. You know, and I know Twilight Princess was supposed to be a GameCube game, but the example still stands that in, in a lot of cases, people don't feel the need to double dip. And I would say it less so being with this game, because at least from Twilight Princess to Skyward Sword, there was a distinguishable difference between the two and even the way the game played was completely different. This game looks like it could have been DLC for Breath of the Wild. I, I, I And again, I know I'm probably going to get flamed by some big Zelda fans in the comments. I, I love The Legend of Zelda. They're really great games. I think Zelda's a little oversaturated sometimes. You know, there's always big publications writing articles if there's not a Zelda game every two years. Like, where's the new Zelda? Hello, we're Donkey Kong fans. We've been waiting 10 years for a new game, but, you know, that's beside the point. So I, I just think... You know, Nintendo's a little overconfident with this because I think there have been examples of of what they're doing now being done in the past and it not panning out for them. And I just think Zelda, you know, the difference between this game and the first game is not a very noticeable difference. It's I would say it's pretty comparable to Super Mario Galaxy in that sense. And you know, if I if I'm not mistaken, what it you probably I'm going to challenge you, Michael. Do you remember off the top of your head what the difference in sales was before for between the first Galaxy and the second? I think it was 13 to Almost what, 13 seven? million to uh, around 7 million, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I would say it's pretty comparable to. The other thing that I think Nintendo's not considering here is that the first Zelda on the Switch was a launch title. That's a big deal. A launch title makes such a big difference for how many units you're going to sell. We make jokes about it all the time, but Knack sold better than Super Mario 3D World because it was a launch title for PlayStation 4. What did Knack 2 sell? I don't know. Probably not even a million copies, honestly. I mean, it, it flopped. That that's. I think they were really confident going into Knack 2 that we got something here, and then you saw the the that that's the effect you see of of something being a launch title versus. 
something not being. And I think the that Breath of the Wild would have sold incredibly well regardless. I don't know if it would have sold as well as it has, you know? So that that's kind of where I stand on that. I think Nintendo is making a really bad move with this, and, and we'll see. But I think this could ne- negatively affect the long-term impact that this game's going to have as far as units sold goes. That, that's what will make this so interesting to look back on because will this affect the Tears of the Kingdom sales? Maybe. Maybe some people are like, $70? Like maybe a parent or something like that. There's going to be a few kids who are not getting that game for Christmas next year. I think because the sales will be naturally deflated anyway because it's not going to hit the same heights as the first one did, that there's going to be a decline. Was that decline because of the price increase or was it because of just, you know, this is what naturally happens when you release a second one on the same system traditionally for Nintendo games. So we'll see how that works out. The, the, the other thing that's interesting to me is that this is coming off the heels of the Switch having outsold every other console or handhold that they've ever made in terms of games sold. The Switch has over 900 million game copies sold of, of their, their games that they put out. And I think that there's a certain magic there that does risk getting lost if you tamper too much with the sauce. At the same time, like this is how games used to work. There was this weird period. I, I I guess it probably happened around GameCube. But before that, games were priced based on their perceived worth. And there was a variability in how much things would cost. And I think that's where we should go back to. Because sure, Breath of the Wild 3 might be $80. It might be 100 I mean, if you feel like it's worth that and it took you that much to to produce it sure but then make WarioWare a $20 game or a $30 game make that next 2D Kirby a $40 you know there's there's things that we could do with this that benefit everybody but i think everybody likes this system because it's predictable and then publishers can sort of bank on regardless of how worth it the game is they're going to sell it for 70 anyway yeah but just but just Think about where we could end up from here, like the snowball effect, because what I think will happen, Michael, is it's not that games will start being sold based on their perceived value. I think all it's going to do is raise the bar. So now now that Zelda is a $70 game, let's say Mario Kart 9 is an $80 game. Well, what do you think is going to happen to Nintendo's 2D platformers? You think those are going to drop down to $20, $30, $40? Hell no. They're going to be $60, but they're just going to say, well, well, again, you're getting a 2D platform. It's only an eight to 10 hour game. So you get it at a cheaper cost than, you know, the big open world game like The Legend of Zelda. I think that's all that's going to happen. And I think this is an experiment to a degree. I think this is Nintendo seeing if they can get away with this. And that's why, honestly, I think if people line up and buy this game and it sells really well, why do you really think they're they're not going to start selling their major titles for $70 or so? Like, what's going to stop them at that point? They're not going to look at it as, well, what's its perceived value? They're going to be like, no, this is a game that a lot of people are going to buy. So why not sell it for this price? So when we get Mario Baseball, that'll probably be a $70 game if this does well, because it's a Mario game, you know? I, I don't like it. And I, I think, honestly, you know, I I was pretty sure that I wasn't going to buy this game, at least not anytime soon, 
when it came out, but you know, it's a Zelda game. I know it'll be fun. I beat the first one hundred percent. I enjoyed it a lot. So I figured maybe at some point I'll come around to it, but, but now I'm like, I almost feel like I can't support this. And again, like you, you and I covered this at the beginning, but like this doesn't affect us financially. Like I can afford an extra $10. It makes absolutely zero difference to me in the grand scheme of things. But I also can see the snowball effects that this could have on the game industry. And I just think it sets a really awful precedent because then even look at the trickle down effect with Sony and Microsoft. Well, they're probably looking at this as if you can sell some 20 frame per second, you know, (laughs) Wii U looking game for $70. Why can't we sell God of War, you know, sequel for $80? You know what, what's going to stop that from happening? Yeah. At the same time, you know, if you look at just purely based on inflation, $60 $60 in 2013 would be worth $76 today. So it's, it was always going to happen. And I think that's, that's the thing. It's like the game prices have been the only like stable priced good I can think of. Whereas everything is increased from, you know, the iPhones that we use gas that we pump into our cars, the houses that we buy, the value of our currency has changed. And so I, I don't know. I've, I I don't feel like it's a huge deal. And the the only thing that I think is ill-advised is doing this now rather than at the launch of a new system. Because at the launch of a new system, everybody's just got to have it. And you're going to get away with it. Well, it makes sense at that point. Well, I mean, and that's the question, does it? Because they're probably still not going to be developing on the level that that the other publishers are doing. And I, the, the $60 price you know that that production costs ballooned like crazy naughty dog did a really interesting talk on this how much how crazy their budgets got from like jack and daxter to uncharted it is insane how expensive it is to produce games and this is kind of getting outside of nintendo's realm where you know Sony will hire actors and mocap them and pay them union wages where Nintendo will find like the literal cheapest voice actors in the world and put them in their games. So it's in some sense, like incomparable Nintendo should be the last person to raise their prices by the least, but also it's, it's kind of hard to put like put value on it. You know, they, they should be allowed to sell the games for however much they want. If they want to put out a game, next week that costs $300, let them cool. If people don't want to play it or don't want to pay that price, they will speak with their wallet and uh, people should be more comfortable with that. You know, there's all this consternation about video games that you, you can or can't ethically support, or you, you hate the practice of Nintendo putting out in a sort of unfinished game and then finishing it the like two years after you know, to, one way to let the, the really the only way to send a message is to just not buy it because all this chatter online about I can't believe you would charge me 10 more dollars, Nintendo. It's going to all fall on deaf ears, depending on how much money the, the the game makes. Now, I think Nintendo slash Game Freak and co are embarrassed that Scarlet and Violet had the type of performance that it did at launch. But do they care? No, they're they're get if they were put in the same situation, they would do the same thing nine times out of ten because they know that their reputation is going to survive. 
the patience and uh, appetite for <laughs> for boots is hard to underestimate with the Nintendo populace, and they're going to get away with it. So does it feel a little cheap? Yes. Do a I little? think it's going to affect like their prospects? Not at all. Yeah, I say a little because it's it's ten dollars. I mean, you know, the, you could make the same argument with with Tropical Freeze. Like, was Funky Mode really worth extending the price by that much? And that's really just going to come down to to the person. They could have made Tropical Freeze six hundred dollars, and I probably still would have bought it. It's just we see different value in in things and. What they're probably going to do, the, the cynical side of me, is that they're going to start pricing things at 70 and then do more sales. Where, oh, look, it's at 60. You got to buy it this week. Or get people on those buy two Nintendo games uh, for the price of, I, th I think, what was that? Like, you, you, you have the Nintendo Switch voucher system. They're bringing that back. I forgot how much it costs, but I wonder if you can use that on the, the Tears of the Kingdom or if they're going to block it because it's a more expensive game. Yeah, here's my thing is, again, like, I'm completely aligned with you in the fact that it, in the grand scheme of things, it makes almost no difference. But to say it's not cheap because it's $10, $10 is a 16% increase in price from 60 to 70, over 16%. And you have to realize, man, like, I work in the world of sales and, and I understand profit margins and, and even adding an extra dollar to something. When you multiply that over a certain number, your profits are, are you know, exponentially higher. So it, it makes a big difference. My whole point is there's no justification for this. Like again, Tropical Freeze, as much as I love Tropical Freeze and I still bought that game on the Switch because I'm always going to support my guy Donkey Kong at, you know, it, it, I understand why people are still going to buy this game, but Am I going to sit here and say that they had any justification for raising the price? Absolutely not. It's a port. It should be cheaper, if anything, or the same price because it's a port and you added Funky Kong, you know, like it, it doesn't have any foundation. And I just think if you get into this territory of charging whatever the hell you want based on what your perceived value of it is, I mean, imagine that with movies. Imagine if, you know, to see Avatar, you had to charge like, $35 per ticket because the movie costs half a billion dollars to produce, you know, versus a, a, a drama being a, a normal price ticket, you know, and, and I understand even in movies, there's a couple of movies. I think Avatar, the one that just came out, I think actually did charge a few extra dollars per showing at some theaters than other movies did. But typically you look at the movie industry, regardless of how much money it produces to, to create a movie, they still charge the same price, you know? And, and I think because you can't get into that territory because you got to think about the millions of people that buy these games that are average consumers, that to them, the perceived difference is not is not evident. You know, they don't know what the difference is between a 2D Mario game and a 3D open world Zelda game is. They have no idea, but you know what they do see? They see that price difference. And, you know, you brought up earlier how gaming, you know, um, Prices of games have been one of the most consistent things that we've had, but I think that's because video games have always been perceived to be pretty expensive. You know, you look at the, the like, CDs, you look at movies, you know, all these other forms of, of media, it's not nearly as expensive as a video game is. And I think that's why video game prices have always kind of remained in this area where it's been pretty consistent. 
but I, you know, again, like once you, you look, I think they're going to find out the hard way. Like Sony did with PlayStation three. I think they got high off of the PlayStation two sales and they thought we're on top of the world. People are going to buy this no matter what. And you know, they sold that thing for $600, man. They didn't even sell the PlayStation five for $600. Think about your inflation equation. Now what, what's $500 now, as opposed to what it was in what? 2007, six, whenever the PlayStation three came out. I mean, and they're not even selling it for what they sold the PlayStation three at. So it, it makes a difference, man. There is a point or a plateau. I think you hit where consumers are just not willing to go there. And I'm sorry, man. I, I think 60 is like a number Again, I'm not the average consumer just buys games for my kids or whatever the case may be. But I think to the average person, 60, I can see it. 70s where it's like, wow, this is this is a little ridiculous at this point. And again, for, for what? I, I understand that it's $10. It doesn't make any difference to most people. The problem I have is why? Like simply why? I think they really are just doing this to see if they can get away with it to see if people will still buy it no matter what. And if people buy it no matter what, do you not think they're going to apply the same logic to any major title that they release? Yeah, I think it's probably going to jump to 70 across the board, which I think is dumb because obviously there's a different amounts of work that go into these games. They have different budgets. They have different amounts of reach. I think you could justify charging $100 for something like Super Smash Brothers with all the money that they spend in licensing and, you know, filling that with as much content as possible as opposed to something like Splatoon, which, you know, they've been reusing those assets, saving a ton of money from these three game releases. But, yeah, I just I don't agree with that, that premise of, like, having a set game price for everything because... Games are, are getting so much wider in, in scope of, of how they how they are produced and how they are marketed and and, and how they're they're purchased. I mean there's there's even games like Fortnite where people the the iPhone app economy where it's like goodness gracious, I couldn't I couldn't imagine paying five dollars to play an iPhone game, but I'll spend ten dollars on a skin inside of a, a free game. And so, I mean, all that stuff is getting shaky, but I think the parallel you're making with the PlayStation 3 is interesting in that the PlayStation 3, that, that whole problem was that you were, you were hitting that breaking point. And that's why that price point has not been challenged again. And so there, there is a, there, there is a number and I'm not sure what that number is. I don't think it's 70 I think Nintendo is conservative in, in waiting to do this because everybody else has already pulled the trigger on this and, you know, it's fine. Hogwarts Legacy is doing fine. Um, God of War did fine. There's there's no trouble in this. People are, the, the market has spoken. People are willing to pay this price. Will Nintendo fans and, you know, parents of younger Nintendo fans be uh, more apprehensive about it? Maybe, but I, I just, I doubt it the price should be set by the people who make it for however much they want to charge. And then if people don't want to pay for it, they'll probably lower the price. And this sort of back and forth has happened with, you know, most, most forms of media movie theater tickets, you know, that, that price does stay stable, but you know, these, there's not like a great reason for that because there are, there are differences in, in, in what goes into these movie projects as well. But if you even look at like albums, like a CD used to cost, 
around $12 or something like that. Get the, the digital album on iTunes for $10. You don't really, people don't really do that anymore. They'll, they'll sell them for 20 or 30, but then they'll call them like deluxe and like have a special song that you can't get. So they, they kind of try and sweeten the pop, but like realistically they're, they're increasing the price of their, their album. And I would rather just get the entire game from, from Nintendo for this price rather than what companies like Ubisoft and the like have been doing for years now where they have the base game. And then, but really, if you want the complete experience, you need to double your money. How do you know that they're not doing that with this game though? How do you know Nintendo doesn't have some paid DLC plans for this game? To oh, get they might the have planned paid DLC. I, that's different than what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is like the Assassin's Creed. You can get the, like the silver version or the gold version, or, you know, you see this all the time with PlayStation releases. I remember they did it with Dragon Ball Z Kakarot and it, and you have to look through, I mean, they, I think they even pulled something similar with Sonic origins where you have to look at a spreadsheet to like figure out what version of the game you're okay with, with getting. And, you know, if you're not missing out on too much content, but same game it's just cosmetic stuff and all these like dumb little bonuses which nintendo is doing with the with the collector's edition and you know they're selling that for 120 dollars i i crack up at that um i i don't think a, a silly little art book and i i've i have never bought a steel book in my life i do not understand the appeal of um having prettier cases for my video games but i'm sure it'll sell out and you know, that's fair enough. Like they, they're allowed to do that. Uh, I, but like, you know, unless who regulates the price of games, otherwise does the, the government come in and say like, you know, you can't increase the price of games with, I mean, it's always been a game of that breaking point. And I think games are a lot closer to that breaking point than a lot of other forms of media are because you're right. Like $60 is a pretty good chunk of money. $70 is like, whoo, we're getting closer. The closer we get to 100, I think 100 is like the absolute breaking point where like, you know, you're going to see a lot of casual people drop out of the market. But at the same time, there there has become this much wider sense of being able to purchase games because sure, while PlayStation 5 games at release are $70, you know that down the road, you're going to get it for 20. You know, you might even get it for free on a PlayStation Plus. That's why, like, you you know, you were bringing up how, you know, the, the market has spoken with a lot of these major Sony titles that were sold for $70 and people are still buying them. But I think that's, you know, something people have the presence of mind with when it comes to first-party games that are on PlayStation versus Nintendo because, you know, Nintendo doesn't drop their prices. And again, I think even to the average consumer, like, I think you have some level of understanding that, again, like, there's certain games like PlayStation five doesn't even sell all their games for $70. They've been selling games that are pushing video game technology way beyond what we've seen before from consoles. I mean, uh, you know, maybe what you see on, on PC gaming, but not anything you've seen on, on consoles. Like we played through ratchet and clank rift apart, which I don't even think that was a $70 game. I think it was 60. And and that game was mind blowing to me. How, good it looked and how well it ran and i've never seen anything like it 
But but this is the thing is that's why I'm saying like applying it to this game. Like if you want to try something out like that for Mario Kart Nine, and it's it's got this, this this certain amount of content that we've never seen in a game like that, and you want to sell for seventy dollars, fine. I just don't understand the reason for this game other than the fact that they have so much confidence that this game is going to sell like crazy regardless. And so they're looking at it and saying, why not try to sell for seventy? Why not try to increase our profits exponentially? I don't know. It just even the whole conversation about the perceived value of games. That's just a thing I have a tough time with, man, because I just think it, it's tough to say what's worth what. I mean, you and I argued with people all the time about how people think 2D platformers are only worth $30, $40 because people would argue, well, the games aren't long enough. So why am I paying this much money for them? And you and I are always like, man, there's 2D platformers that we've played in, in beaten in eight hours that I would have rather paid $60 for than some of these JRPGs that are 200 hours and and I wouldn't want to pay $20 for that you know so by that logic I feel like now for some of these JRPGs because they're hundreds of hours of long like what's the reason not to charge more money for those games you know like that's why it's just like where do you where is the foundation for what determines what a game is sold for other than you know the developer the publisher pulling a a card out of a hat and just randomly deciding this is what we're going to sell it for i I mean that's that's kind of how commerce works you know and it never it doesn't always make sense proportionally why something would cost more it's just that sometimes people value it more you know would you find infinite value in world of warcraft as you pay endlessly for access to the game like is is it the best game ever made that it's so good that you couldn't like pay for it with just one fee and you know i understand they're running the servers but like so is fortnite and you don't have to pay for a membership fee with fortnite and so yeah everybody has to has to make these calls and you know playstation i i like some of the pricing models that they've done they also participate in some of this goofy special edition sort of stuff. But while they do have some games that are cheaper, they also sold the last of us part one for six and $70. That is still at $70. And that's a PS three game that they just, they up into a PS four game that they then did some more spit shining on to make it a PS five game. It's, kind of patently ridiculous to me. I mean, Demon Souls is a PS3 game that's still being sold for $70 on, on PS5 because I guess the, the remake was worth it. Where, you know, it in my eyes, something like Returnal that was actually made from the ground up as a PS5 game would be more uh, more worth it. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't make sense as is. And so I, I don't think it's it's bad to see experimentation with this because we could see it on the other side, but yeah, from Nintendo's point point of view there, they know that rough times are ahead. They have no idea how well their next system is going to perform. And if history is any indication, not well is the answer. And so, yeah, I mean, going out on one hoorah to see if this price hike works, why not? I think it is. I mean, of course it's greedy, but like everything they ever do is greedy. You know, oh, definitely. There's a reason why they 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 didn't let you, they didn't keep selling Super Mario 3D All Stars because if they can repackage the Super Mario 64 version of that or, or like some some part of that and then use that to sell online memberships, they'll do that. And then you know, 
as soon as the next system comes out, if you're not still paying for the membership, all those games are gone. Maybe they all vanish anyway. I mean, you know, I've bought Donkey... We, we've bought Donkey Kong Country like 15 different times. Like, yeah, it, it's all motivated by making as much money as possible. Nintendo's not your friend. Nintendo doesn't care about you. Uh, if any of these giant game publishers could make an extra dollar per copy sold by sending someone to your house to spit on you, they would do it in a heartbeat because yes, that's, that is the point. It's just money. And especially when you're a publicly traded company, the only thing that matters is returning value to shareholders. So that's why even in the midst of Nintendo blowing all these records, outselling the PS4, outselling the Game Boy, being the like, pushing the most software out of any Nintendo console uh, or system ever, ever created. You look at all that and their stock price drops by like 7% because they had to, they, they had to um, decrease their, their profit forecasts. And so, yes, like nothing matters, but making another dollar and sure they, they, they bump their employees up by 10%, um, which is something that's getting a lot of news coverage which, you know, I chuckle at because I've been, um, you know, I've been interviewing at different places and looking at jobs and Nintendo's jobs for, for like, for, for marketing, very low, very low pay. They know that a lot of people are going to take a pay cut or to, you know, put themselves through this experience just so that they can have a big name like Nintendo on their resume. And, that is, uh, I mean, as as does a lot of these places, these big game places. Um, but but yeah, I mean, they, they they don't they don't pay particularly well. So why are they bumping up everybody's pay for it by ten percent? Is they don't want them to be poached, you know? They're, they're just like it's it's expensive to find good people and to hire them and to train them and to build trust and to make sure that they don't leak games and and all that stuff. And so yeah, it's just this give and take of of money, and so your only power as a consumer, if if this bothers you, you need to not buy the Zelda game, buy it used, figure out some way to other other way to experience it that I will not sanction. But it's it's gonna be tough because people are gonna complain and they're gonna buy it anyway. I mean, we've been down this road a million times, and so that's why like I don't think. I don't think it's really going to move the needle on anything. I think they're going to start charging more and people are going to start paying more. And that's about it. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I think it'll still sell pretty well, but like I said, I, I think it's a, it's a combination of the fact that the first one was a launch title. The second one is not very distinguishable from the first one. The history of Nintendo sequels, not being online, massive multiplayer games, not doing well on the same system. Comparatively speaking, I think the combination of all those things plus the price increase is is going to hurt this game compared to the first one. And I think it's funny because I think Nintendo is not getting valuable data by running this experiment with this game because I think if this game doesn't sell nearly as well, they're probably going to attribute it to the price increase, which, you know, hey, that I'm all for that because I don't want games to start getting even more expensive. But it, it's just funny because I think they'll probably look at it as if that was the reason why and not because of all those other things I just mentioned when it's more than more than likely it's going to have to do with those other things then it's going to have to do with the price increase but yeah I mean trust me I'm I'm not you know the whole thing with with Nintendo and you know we covered this in our video where we talked about the Joy-Con drift lawsuit that yeah again like I said on that show 
Nintendo's not our friends. They're not in the interest of, of making people happy and aligning with us. They, if there was a way they could make as much money as humanly possible, that's what they're going to do. I mean, that's what any business is going to do. That's their goal. It's just to me, it, it feels really almost disrespectful or slap in the face as a consumer when you and I are people who we can see the difference between these games and we we understand that there is no distinguishable difference. There's nothing that truly justifies this and they're going to do it anyway because they know they can get away with it. And I just, I feel like it's, it's arrogance on Nintendo's part. And, you know, honestly, I hope this game doesn't, I hope it does perform or, or underperform in its expectations just for that reason. Because I, I think Nintendo, even to the point of, of not really having too many major games coming out, you know, we talked about the whole IGN corroborating the story of no major titles after Tears of the Kingdom. And, you know, that's almost become evident by today's Nintendo Direct, where we, no new games were announced, except for Metroid Prime Remaster, which is not a new game. It's a remaster of a GameCube game. But nothing new was shown. And this is right after their investor relations meeting. And, and I just think if, if you're going to show something now or show something all, you're probably going to show it now to make your investors happy. And the fact that they have nothing to show and, and all they're going to do is increase the price of a, a game that, that is running on exactly the same engine and assets as a game that we've already gotten on this system. I just think it's, it's crazy to me because you know what could increase your your profit margins or what can make investors happier more than anything is producing more games. And I understand games cost more money. They take longer to develop than they did in the past, but nobody said make a, a sequel to to this game being as expansive and, and probably difficult to develop as this game probably is. You know, we've been crying for Donkey Kong for how long? You don't think that would make investors happy with the new Super Mario movie coming out with the third of Universal Studios Park dedicated to Donkey Kong. Like, I, I think that's a slam dunk. But, you know, now I'm starting to to wonder if if maybe it's not true. Maybe that's not coming out because we still haven't heard about it. And to me, this would have been a perfect time for that. So I just think, you know, if you want to increase your profit margins and make people happy, why don't you do that? Why don't you do something that makes sense and is more consumer friendly versus let's just charge $10 more for a game for no reason other than the fact that we can get, we can. Yeah. And I mean, I, yeah, it just comes back to timing. Like it, tears of the kingdom is a, is a weird time to do it. Uh, especially because that game is built. So, so far built on the first one. I, I watched the videos and I'm still not sure like what the, what the hook is or what the major upgrade is. I don't know if they're, revamping combat to make that feel better. I don't know if there's dungeons. I don't, I, all I know now is that there's another underwhelming voice cast uh, performance for Ganondorf that they probably paid someone $150 to, to do the voice. Is that Ganondorf? Is that who that character is? That's the speculation. And uh, I know that Zelda is probably going to be trapped in a box somewhere. You know, I, I don't know. People are speculating on like two player mode or like you know, all these different things. And, and yeah, I don't know. The, visually, it looks stunning. The music is fantastic as ever. I like what I'm seeing, but I'm not seeing much. And so, yeah, it's it's a weird time to announce that price increase, too. But people are just I don't know. It, it, we'll, we'll see if it translates to the general populace, the Twitter crowd. I think they'd pay a hundred dollars for it. And I don't, I, and I think they would be arguing with you on Twitter for, you know, even bringing it up as they probably are doing right now. 
at the same time, like, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's moving the needle much. Uh, you know, as, as I pull up, like even like this guy's like $70 is totally reasonable to bring it up like a thing from Toys R Us in the nineties. That's about all I think about it. I mean, I, it's not enough for me to like really get uh bent out of shape, but, but it's, it is a fascinating discussion because if you go to like, uh, there's a, there's a website called inflationstation.net and it shows that like, you know, if you were in today's money, a Super Nintendo would have cost like $432. So it's like, it sounds cheap, Bet that all oh, back then it was $200, but $200 meant a lot more in 1991. Or you look at the NES, which was sold for $200. And, you know, by today's standards, that would be $543. So it's like, um, that's pretty, that pretty much seems to be the breaking point of a game console is like that $500, $600 mark. Anything higher than that would just be, um, difficult but but we haven't i don't know if we fit that ceiling for games and you know if nintendo wants to start finishing their games before they release them and then not um expect us to shell out another 20 for dlc i'd be fine with with the the price increase up front but um they're gonna do both (laughs) they're gonna do both they're gonna have a a really underwhelming dlc charge twenty dollars for it and you know but I, you know, I get it at the same time. Game development is obnoxiously expensive and um, d- distribution for it is hard. It's even, you know, it's not like, I think another thing that's kind of keeping the price of movies controlled is that if you want to move your movie onto Netflix or something like, sure, whatever, send me the file and I'll put it on our server to get a game onto like a different system. It, it's like, you got to you got to jump into the code and, and and get it to work on there. You know, emulators are a thing, but they're riddled with little imperfections and bugs that people have to spend real time fixing. Yeah. And I don't think this is really changing the the math for anybody. I don't think it, you know, for the people that are the people that are probably like most bothered by this are people like you who were like telling me before the, the direct started that you don't, you didn't think you were going to buy the game <laughs> in the first well, place. I mean, but, but, my thing is, is that it has nothing to do with my level of interest in the game. Like, I, I'm just being objective here. Like, I told you, even though I bought Tropical Freeze on the Switch, I, I thought it didn't make any sense. I thought it was ridiculous. The only argument I got mad about with Tropical Freeze is that people were telling me how Hyrule Warriors deserves to be, you know, a full price game because it's quote unquote new you know, versus a game that's a, a port, but, uh, you know, and, and the fact, or no, it was the fact that Hyrule Warriors was a 35 to 40 hour long game and Tropical Freeze is an eight to 10 hour game, which that's where I think, again, when you get into that, what determines more value, it's like, well, I'm sorry, Tropical Freeze is also a hundred million times better of a game than Hyrule Warriors was. So to me, it's, it's worth more money in my eyes, but I, again, even with all that being said, I thought it, it was ridiculous. It didn't make any sense. They only sold it for more money because they knew they could because now, you know, we're not selling this game on a failing platform on the worst month of the year for retail, which was the case for the original Tropical Freeze. It's like, no, now we're selling this in the summer uh, on a platform that's breaking all kinds of records, you know? So, uh, you know, that, it was just one of those cases where they were just like, hey, Let's do it because we can, not because there's any real reason for this. And it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I'm not saying that it, again, it doesn't make a big difference. If this was a Donkey Kong game, like even though I would be buying it and there no questions asked, 
I wouldn't be sitting here telling you that it's a it's a good idea. It's not. It it doesn't make any sense. Although if you know they made some new 3D DK game, at least they would have a precedent for being like, well, you know, you haven't seen anything like this on this platform yet. Whereas Tears of the Kingdom, just again, like you said, the timing of it is just weird. The game they chose is weird because I cannot tell the difference between this game and the first one. Every amount of uh, footage we've seen of it, every trailer we've seen, I'm like, what is even different about this game? Now there's some flying enemies, some frog looking things with wings. Those look pretty cool. Other than that, I have no earthly idea. <laughs> it, it, it is interesting in that, that sense. Like I, I think it's the wrong game in the wrong time. Um, but at the same time, I, I do think like this, this is always going to happen, but I bet I, I imagine this, uh, this horse is as beaten as uh, one of those in the Zelda games where you keep hitting the a button to do the, yeah. And it runs faster. Yeah, we'll leave it at that and also just say, you know, we, we obviously didn't talk much about the Nintendo Direct. I'll just say overall, I thought it was pretty disappointing that we didn't hear about anything new. I think the Yoshi's Island DLC course and Metroid Prime Remaster and Kirby's Return to Dreamlands, just because that's a great game with its new mode, I think were the highlights of it. But overall, pretty disappointing. And, you know, we're both really sad that Donkey Kong again was a no-show, but, you know... Hopefully we've got something coming in the summer. So, yeah, and we seem to be in that phase that the 3DS seemed to be in in that last year, where it's like it was a lot of remakes, a lot of remasters. I wonder if the same type of fatigue will happen here, where people are like, "All right, I'm sick of this like crummy frame rate. I'm sick of this two-hour battery life. I'm ready to move on to the next Nintendo, or I'm ready to move on to a PlayStation." Um, but only time will tell. It'll it'll be interesting. I, I if you had to guess, so so Breath of the Wild has sold thirty million copies. Um, how how much do you think the the second one's gonna sell? Man, I think it'll probably be around like ten million. Yeah, I I I I don't. Yeah, I I don't even know if it's breaking that, but we'll see. I th- I think, um, you know, probably close to ten million. But nowhere, nowhere above fifteen million. I would say, you know, in that range, nine to nine to fifteen million. But especially if new hardware is on the, you know, it going to be talked about in the next year or so. Like a lot of people are theorizing because there weren't any new games shown on the Switch today um, during today's Nintendo Direct. So I think that's another reason too, where if something is close to at least being announced or or coming out in the next year or two, I think that's another thing where it's not going to have the legs or or the switch is not going to have the legs for this thing to keep selling well over time yeah oh yeah and i'm sure they'll they'll resell it to the same like on the next system <laughs> and people will buy it twice um but yeah we'll we'll see uh yeah i'm 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 mostly just kind of it, it, i'm excited to play pikmin uh, all my son loves kirby uh so you know while I wasn't like itching to get back into that Wii game. I, I've actually played it pretty recently. Um, you know, it'll be fun to to introduce him for for the first time. But but yeah, just so many remasters. I mean, uh, we got that Kirby remaster in February. We got Advance Wars re uh, remakes in April. We got the Metroid Prime, and uh, yeah, just so much so much of that energy. It it really does seem like they're winding down. So I I every every day that passes, I more so believe in that dry rest of the year theory and i think that any other games like the perspective 
3D or new Donkey Kong. Uh, I think anything like that, they're probably holding on for the next system. That just that honestly is just incredibly depressing. If that's the case, like I, I just I would be so disappointed if they decide to skip the Switch for Donkey Kong because I think this is going to be really important. If they did release a game on here, I think it would do incredibly well. And it's just really sad to think that he might not get a chance to shine on here. And then they might release a DK game on whatever new system comes out. And then maybe that new system is like a Wii U and it flops. And then that game doesn't do well. And we're dealing with another 10, 15 year period of not having a game. So I, I, gosh, I would just be really sad, but on a good note, I'll just say the Metroid prime remaster looks really awesome. I think that's probably the best looking remaster I've seen for a game since the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, which I would call that a total remake because, I mean, Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy just looked incredible. Those games were beautiful and completely redesigned as far as the visuals go, which obviously makes sense because they're going from PlayStation 1 to 4. But Metroid Prime Remaster, that might be, besides that trilogy, this might be the best-looking remaster I've ever seen. So I I am excited to try that. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. The the only other commentary I have on the Nintendo Direct is they really are going full Fire Emblem Heroes with Engage. I mean, you want and that's that's the thing. Like, you want to talk about Nintendo ripping people off? Like, look at that game. My goodness! And and now they're just bringing a character from the iPhone game into this one with like her gimmick shtick being that she summons people and it shows the stars, the units, like how many people that's just like ripped off tremendously. Uh, No one can quite tell, but you know, people love their anime JPEGs, I guess. But yeah, I mean, that's uh yeah, pretty, pretty dry direct. And I, I just, I, I was thinking about this cause you know, they, they did all the right things. They announced, you know, pretty much a game per month for the first half of the year. I mean, we were only missing something, I think, in June, and maybe they even had something in there. But, you know, Kirby, Bayonetta, Advance Wars, Zelda, Pikmin, like, it's it's looking pretty good. But there's just a, it's a lack of sauce in Nintendo Directs in general ever since Reggie and Iwata no longer had any part in them. You know, n- none of those legendary moments where Iwata's staring at a banana for some reason or Reggie and Iwata are fighting as me costumes or Miyamoto's a puppet, like... I don't I I I really don't understand the point of these like really boring ones where they just, you know, show a bunch of trailers like why even have a host just like or like voiceover just air a bunch of YouTube trailers in a row. But that's yeah, I mean that's what I'll say about that direct 5 out of 10. Yeah, I'm just hoping we get something in the summer. So we'll see. And it's like, oh, but Zelda, what do you what do you know about Zelda now that you didn't know before? That Gandor has a voice? that the red moon thing is back that that Zelda is probably going to be trapped in a cube for the entirety of the game. Yeah. I saw, I saw a tweet. I really liked that actually got some good traction, but was talking about, look, I love Zelda more than the next person, but please stop ending your trip, your Nintendo directs with Zelda. And that's where I already said that to you. Once we got to a certain point in the direct, I'm like, all, all we're getting is another look at Zelda at the end. And, and like they didn't even, tell us anything new about the game. That's what makes it feel the worst is that at least tell me something new about this game, even though I, I really hate the fact that you're going to end this direct with that. But, you know, it is what it is, but I'm just hoping there's some cool stuff coming in the summer. And like I said, I'm just 
crossing my fingers for DK because I think if we don't hear anything in the summer, then I think what you said is true that there's probably nothing else like that coming out for the Switch, which would be a huge bummer. Yeah, I think this really rephrases our conversation on when we think the next Switch is coming out to where I I don't it's looking like 2024. It is looking like 2024 right now. You know, Nintendo's back is up against the wall like they've um, they they shelved the pro version. Maybe the pro version just gets a slightly better and that that is the, the switch to like, yeah, I don't I don't know. It seems like it's we're, we're getting up on that time. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you made it to this part of the, the video or the podcast, please subscribe on your, your place of choice. We're trying to get uh, monetized on the YouTubes and whatnot. So uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.